it works much better when it's on. Yeah. It's good. Thank you. Yeah, almost full. Yeah. You'll be full. Alright. Let's have some fun. Jayarata Matova Kunja Bihari Jayarata Matova Kunja Bihari Gopi Janna Balaba Girivaradari Gopi Janna Balaba Girivaradari Yashoda Nandana Brajana Ranjana Jamuna Tira Vanachari Jamuna Tira Vanachari Jayorata Matova Kunja Bihari Jayorata Matova Kunja Bihari Gopi Janna Balaba Girivaradari Gopi Janna Balaba Girivaradari Shodanandana Prashjanaranjana Yashodanandana Prashjanaranjana Jamuna Tiravanachari Jamuna Tira Vanachari Jayorata Matova Kunja Bihari Rata Matova Kunja Bihari Jayam Vishnupad Panamahamsa Parakrajikachara Shatulasata Shishimad, His Divine Grace. A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Shla Prabhupada Ki Anantakoti Vaishnava Brindiki Grantaraj Shimad Bhagavatam Ki Nitai Go Premanandi 
O glorious Sama devotees, O glorious Sama devotees, O glorious Sama devotees, O glorious to Sri Guru and Sri Goranga. <coughs> <coughs> Narayanam namaskritya naram chevanarotamam devim saraswatim vyasam tatojayam udirayat. Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya. Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya. Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya. Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 6, Chapter 16, Chapter entitled King Chitraketu Meets the Lord, Text Number 40. Jitama Jita Tada Bhavata Yadaha Bhagavatam Damam Anavadyam Niskinchanaye munaya Abaramayam upasate pavagaya Jitamajita tadabhavata Yadaha Bhagavatam Dhamam Anvadyam Niskinchanaye Munaya Amaramayam Upasate Pavargaya Ajitam, conquered. Ajita, 
O unconquerable one, tada, then, and bhavata, by your lordship, yada, when, aho, spoke, bhagavatam, which helps the devotee approach the supreme personality of Godhead. Dhamam, the religious process. Anavajyam, faultless, free from contamination. Niskinchana, who have no desire to be happy with material opulences. Ye, those who. Munaya, great philosophers and exalted sages. Atma Aramu, one, sorry, who are self satisfied, being completely aware of their constitutional position. as eternal servants of the Lord. Yam, whom, upasate, worship. Apavagaya, for achieving liberation from material bondage. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Shla Prabhupada. O unconquerable one, when you spoke about Bhagavad Dharma, which is the uncontaminated religious system for achieving the shelter of your lotus feet, that was your victory. Persons who have no material desires, like the Kumaras, who are self-satisfied sages, worship you to be liberated from material contamination. In other words, they accept the process of Bhagavad Dharma to achieve shelter at your lotus feet. Translation responsibly. <coughs> <coughs> o unconquerable one, when you spoke about Bhagavad Dharma, <coughs> which is the uncontaminated religious system for achieving the shelter of your lotus, <coughs> lotus feet, that was your victory. Persons who have no material desires, <coughs> like the Kumaras, who are self-satisfied sages, worship you to be liberated from material contamination. In other words, they accept the process of Bhagavad Dharma to achieve shelter at your lotus feet. Purport. As stated by Srila Rupa Goswami in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Anya Bilashita Shunyam, one should render transcendental loving service to the Supreme Lord Krishna favorably and without desires for material profit or gain through fruitive activities or philosophical speculation. This is called pure devotional service. The Narada Pancharatra also says, Sarvapati Vinimuktam, Taparatwena Nimalam, Rishikena, Rishikesha, Sevanam, Bhaktiya, Uchite. One should be free from all material designations and cleansed of all material contamination. He should be restored to his pure identity in which he engages his senses in the service of the proprietor of the senses. This is called devotional service. This is also called Bhagavad Dharma. Uh, without material aspirations, one should simply serve Krishna, as advised in Bhagavad Gita, Narada Pancharatra, and Srimad Bhagavatam. Bhagavatam is the process of religion enunciated by the human Direct representatives of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, like Narada, Shukadeva Goswami, and their humble servants in the disciplic succession. By understanding Bhagavatama, one immediately becomes free from material contamination. Living entities who are part and parcel of the Supreme Personality of Godhead are loitering in this mat material world suffering. 
when they, when they are instructed by the Lord himself about Bhagavad Dharma and they adopt it, that is victory for the Lord. For he then reclaims these fallen souls. A devotee following the principles of Bhagavad Dharma feels very much obliged, obligated to the supreme personality of Godhead. He can understand the difference between life without Bhagavad Dharma and life with Bhagavad Dharma. And thus he never remains, he ever remains obliged to the Lord. Taking to Krishna consciousness and bringing fallen souls to Krishna consciousness is victory for Lord Krishna. Savai pum sam paro dhamo yato bhaktirad hoksaje. Ahoitu yapratihata yayatma suprasiditi. The supreme occupation, dharma, for all humanity is that by which men can attain to loving devotional service unto the transcendental Lord. Such devotional service must be unmotivated and, un and uninterrupted in order to completely satisfy the self. Therefore, Srimad Bhagavatam is the pure transcendental process of <coughs> religion. <coughs> Omigyan Timanandasya Kinanjana Shalakaya Chakshurin Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Guravena Maha Sri Chaitanya Manobishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Tadati Swabadantikam Vancha Kalpata Rubyascha Kripa Sindhubiyevacha Petitanam Pavanebyo Vaishnavebyo Namaha <coughs> Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nichananda Shri Advaita Gadadha Shri Vasadi Gora Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 <coughs> Hare Hare okay. I just got back from India uh, Friday night and I'm a bit mucusy a bit, uh, so please forgive me I'm coughing a little bit, and I'll try my best to speak. Uh, but yeah, just a little bit congested. So, okay. So uh, this verse, uh, King Chichikato meets the Lord uh, in this chapter. It is delineating uh, pure devotional service, which is one of the two primary subject matters of Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, we understand Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, was compiled by Vyasadeva and actually uh, Vyasadeva had already compiled uh, all of the Vedas. Uh, if you go to the first canto, the beginning of the seventh chapter, chapters four, five and six, uh, we have a description in the first canto of Narada instructing Vyas, right? Because Vyas seemed despondent. Narada saw his disciple, Vyasadeva. And Prabhupada explains the face is the index of the mind. You look at someone's face and you can see what kind of a day they are having. Now, they don't have to say anything. You just look at them and you say, okay, they're not happy today. Or you look at them and you say, oh, they look very happy today. And then you say, oh, why are you so happy? Um, so uh, Narada, he looked at Vyasa's face and he thought, He's despondent. He doesn't feel fulfilled. Something's uh, wrong with him. So he said, what is it that's wrong? You've just compiled all the Vedas. Right? So that's a, it's a big work. You know, he was working with Ganesh. You know the story. Ganesh was writing. Vyasadeva spoke. Ganesh wrote everything. Ganesh has four arms. So he's writing, and then when he gets tired, then the other arms take over. And then again, like that. So non-stop. So, you know, it's a big job to write the Vedas. We were just in Jagannath Puri and we went to the house of Savabhambhadacharya. And the Pujari, if you uh, speak to him, he can show you some uh, leaf, uh, uh, like palm leaf, uh, like pieces of palm leaf, uh, with writing by Savabhambhadacharya himself. Uh, that's what they say. Uh, that is, you know, written by Sublombach. So it's a big job, you know, to write all the Vedas. So they had to write everything. You know? So they write 18 Puranas, right? 18 minor Puranas, 18 major Puranas, uh, Itihasas, you know, you've got Mahabharata, you've got 
uh, Ramayana, yeah, big works, you know, to write the whole thing down. And then uh, 108 Upanishads. Uh, and there's so many colleries of the Vedas, you know, Dhanur Veda, Ayurveda, so there's a, a lot of work. So actually, they, they had already written Srimad Bhagavatam, because Bhagavatam is Bhagavat Purana. So it's one of the 18 Puranas. So it was already written, actually. Bhagavatam was already written. So imagine you've done all of that work, which is great work for humanity. I mean, what service have we done? Uh, we distributed 100 books, which is good. That's a glorious service. But, you know, imagine writing the whole Vedas. You know, that's an amazing service. And at the end of it, he's still not feeling happy and satisfied. So Narada says, what's wrong? You just did everything. Right? And still, you're not feeling satisfied? Could it be that you have not exclusively uh, glorified the Supreme Personality of Godhead? Which is why he wrote the Bhagavatam a second time. What we have now is the second writing of the Bhagavatam. Ete chamsa kalapumsa krishnas tu bhagavan swayam. We explain this on Jamashtami. This is, this is the first purpose of the Bhagavatam, to establish Krishna's supremacy. Every verse of the Bhagavatam uh, is an elaboration on ete chamsa kalapumsa, Krishna's tu Bhagavan swayam, that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Every verse right, is supporting that notion or that uh, hypothesis or that statement. Right? Krishna is supreme. So that is the purpose. But this, the second, there's two purposes of the Bhagavatam. The second purpose is to delineate pure devotional service. Right? It says that the other Puranas, the other 18 or the other 17 Puranas, <coughs> there is some contamination of the modes of nature. But Bhagavatam is not like that when he wrote it the second time. Srimad Bhagavatam Puranam Amalam Yad Vaishnavanam Priyam. It is Amala Purana. Why? Because the modes of nature are not touching the this, this Shastra, even though they seem to be. You know, when you read Bhagavatam, you read the fourth canto. How does the fourth canto begin? How does canto four begin? Huh? How does it begin? Uh, Daksha Jagya. Uh, the Daksha Jagya. Shiva is offended. Right? The modes of nature are there. <laughs> right? uh, Daksha you know, walks in. You know, who is this person? You know, won't even stand up when I walk in. These are the modes of nature. But it's all uh, uh, leading to pure devotional service. Because what is the main teaching of that particular... Uh, uh, your back is at the deities. You can't sit like this. You have to go side on you can't sit with the back. So, uh, what is the main teaching of that, of that pastime? Right? Vaishnava Parad. Right? That's the main teaching of the, the Daksha Jagya. Right? Do not offend devotees. And if you read Bhagavatam, this is a reoccurring theme. It's a reoccurring, it happens all, all the way through the Bhagavatam. Stop offending the devotees. What is your problem? Uh, stop offending them, right? It is one of the principal ways that you will destroy your devotional service. You won't make advancement. There's lots of ways we can offend them. There's lots of ways we can offend the devotees, right? There's not just one way. Have you got a minute? I'll find, I'll find the ways that we can offend the devotees. <laughs> I've, got it, I've got it stored here. I'm just going to find it. Here it is. That didn't take long. Okay. <coughs> Six ways you can offend the devotees. Six ways. All right. You ready? Number one, killing a devotee. Don't do it. I know sometimes you think like that, but don't do it. Yeah, maybe sometimes you think, oh, oh. <laughs> but don't do it. It's not good. If you kill a devotee, <laughs> big problem for your devotional service. Lifetimes. Huh? Yamaraj will get you and take you away for a long time. Huh? You've got big problems. Don't do that. I don't think any of you will do it. 
I know sometimes you might want to, but don't do it. I know sometimes I upset you, but just... Number two, blaspheming. Blaspheming, right? <coughs> blaspheming means we criticize the devotees. Uh, you know, we do it all the time, actually. Oh, uh, you know, you heard what Manaji did? You saw what Prabhu did? We do it. We do it. Blasphemy. Devotees. Not good. Not good. How do you stop it? You have to stop what goes on in here. Because whatever goes on in here comes out here and with your actions. Right? Your words, your deeds are all coming from your mind. You've got to stop thinking negatively about the devotees. Right? Otherwise it will come out. You'll blaspheme. Oh, they did this. Oh, they did that. You know, like... So stop thinking. You've got to train yourself. Right? Think good things about the devotees. Right? Why do you think you're better than everyone? I see actually. I see it. Devotees, they form cliques. Or what's another word? You understand what I'm saying? Groups. Yeah, groups. Ghana. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? Factions. Even amongst the community. Or oh, this group won't associate with this group. Oh, this group is better than this group. Oh, we will serve these devotees, but not these devotees. That, that is material consciousness. I've seen it. Right? It's, there, it's there. Through ISKCON, I see it. Right? It's not good. You think you're better than others. That's what it comes down to. We are better than others. I've been to temples where the South Indian devotees don't speak to the North Indian devotees and vice versa. It's there. You go around ISKCON, you'll find it. You'll find it. Or, uh, this Maharaja's disciples won't speak to this Maharaja's disciples. We'll serve together and you can serve together. That's all material consciousness. What's wrong with you? Uh, you are in Maya. That's all. What are you going to do when you get to the spiritual world? Oh, I'm in Lalita's group, so I won't, I won't cooperate with Vishaka's group. What is that? Why do you think we're in the material world right now? No, because no one's like that in the spiritual world. Everyone works together. Lalita's, uh, Manjuri's, her, her maidservants, they all cooperate with Vishakas, who co cooperate with Champakaladas, who cooperate with Chitras, who co cooperate with Tungavijas, you know, who cooperate with Sudevis, Rangadevis, Nindalekas. Everyone works together. What is the problem? Even, the, even Chum, uh, Chandravali's group and Radha's group, who are competitive, you know, if Krishna disappears, they come together to find Krishna. They console each other. They don't dislike each other. All right, they compete because, you know, there's a, a, uh, like a spiritual tension about who can serve Krishna better or the way to serve Krishna, but they, they don't dislike each other. They love each other. Right? So this, this whole thing where you think you're better than others, right? You can't make advancement if you like that. And if, and if you think like that, then you will blaspheme. And if you blaspheme, uh, you will hold up your, your progress in bhakti. It will take you a long time to get to Krishna. Number three. Are you ready? Being envious or hating another devotee. Oh, I can't stand them. Oh, oh I can't stand this other devotee. Right? Feeling that envy or that hate towards them. Sometimes we don't get along with other devotees. Right? Because we're all, we all have different natures. So sometimes we don't get along with others. Like I, I experience that. There's some devotees, we just don't click. But in my mind, I try not to be envious of them or to dislike them. I try to respect them in my mind. Okay, we don't, we don't work so well together because our natures are different. I have one nature, they have another, <coughs> another nature. <coughs> we don't work together very well. That's just conditioned nature. But in the mind, you have to be very careful that you don't begin to blaspheme them. Right? Don't become envious of them. Right? It's okay. Sometimes we don't all work together perfectly. So find the devotees that you work with, but don't criticize the others. Right? Number four, not glorifying a devotee. Right? When there's an opportunity to glorify the devotee, you should glorify them. Right? Someone did some good service, Right? And then you think, oh, it wasn't so good. 
I can do better than that. No, you should glorify. If you see someone do something good, you say, Prabhu, they're very good. You know, I wish I could do like you could do. You know, like, uh, you know, devotees can do so many services. You, you know, like, have a look at the garlands. Uh, like Radha Vallabha's garlands and all the garlands. Like, you see the garland that Radharani's holding? And the one she's wearing? And Balabha also? Like, this is beautiful. The, sta the standards, you know, I've been in this temple for now more than 30 years. The standards have gone up. The garlands are more beautiful than ever. Right? Like, you know, Julan Yatra was nothing like, now, now it's like a whole thing. You know, like back when I, when I joined, it wasn't that elaborate and that beautiful. Right? Now it's like, you know, it just becomes more and more beautiful each year. You know, the devotees are putting so much more into the deity worship. Right? This is a sign of bhakti. Bhakti means things grow. Right? How do we serve Krishna better and better and better? So I can't make garlands like that. You know, I, I could, like you'd have to show me how to do it. Because you know, I actually, you know, if you sat down and gave me the flowers, I'd just be like, oh, okay. I don't even know like, what to do. You know? So you'd have to train me, but even if you train me, maybe I can't do as good as that. So different devotees have different skills. Right? So then if someone does something good, you, you have to glorify that. That's how you advance in Krishna consciousness. And see, the whole problem is, the Bhagavatam says, Vaishnava Aparad is a problem. What's the opposite of Vaishnava Aparad? Glorifying the devotees. So sometimes you say, well, how do I stop blaspheming everyone? Start glorifying everyone. Right? Do the opposite. Yeah, my mother used to say to me when I was a kid, if you haven't got something good to say, don't say it. She used to say that to me when I was a kid. If you haven't got something good to say, don't say it. So I try to, you know, be like that as much as possible. You know, don't put devotees down. I mean, if we're senior devotees, we have to point out when there's faults. Like sometimes people come to the farm, devotees, they come to the farm, they leave in a mess. So I have to say, hey, what's your problem? This is Krishna's farm or Krishna's temple. You, you leave a mess in Krishna's temple, what's your problem? Right? So, you know, that means we have to point out the faults, but the faults are there. Right? That's service. Right? It's not based on envy, it's based on correcting the devotees. Right? But generally we should, we should not be like that. We should glorify. <laughs> <coughs> Number five, being angry at him. Being angry at the devotees. You know, some devotees are angry all the time. Uh, I've met devotees over the years, always, always angry. Right? Right? Uh, this is devotional service in the mode of ignorance. Right? Don't be angry at the devotees. Right? Right? You only get angry at the devotees when you have to correct them. Right? And if you're going to correct them, you have to make sure you're senior enough to correct them. Right? I remember when I was a new devotee, I was a new bhakta. And there's another new bhakta. He joined two weeks after me. So I thought, I am the senior devotee. And we used to have leelas all the time. Like, I'd be telling him, ah, do this, do this. And he'd be telling me, ah, do this, do this, like that. Right? So don't instruct someone if they're not going to listen to you. Right? If you see someone's doing something wrong, go to a devotee. If they're not going to listen to you, go to a devotee who they will listen to and say, Prabhu, they're doing like this. And they say, okay, I'll, I'll tell them. You know, sometimes devotees come to me and they say, this devotee, I say, okay, I'll speak to them, no problem. Right? So you have to make sure devotees are going to listen, otherwise you might commit a lot of offenses. Right? So don't become angry uh, at the devotees. <coughs> and number six, not being happy upon seeing a devotee. That's an offense. You know, sometimes you walk past someone in the temple and you just look at them and you just look away. That's an offense. The devotee thinks, oh, you know, why did they do that to me? That's an offense, actually. You should be happy when you see a devotee. Oh, Prabhu, you're good to see you. Hare Krishna. You know, I have to try to do that. You know, sometimes we get busy. Just like last night, I walked in to give class. Uh, it was just before 8 o'clock. So, you know, I didn't have a lot of time. And then I saw Arjun Saka Prabhu. I haven't seen him for seven months. So, you know, we, we embraced each other and we said, Hurry, boy, good, you know, good to see you. But I said, oh, Prabhu, I have to go and give class. I haven't got time now to. But you have to be, you know, it's like an art and a science. Because sometimes, you know, you're in a rush, but then you haven't seen someone for seven months and then he might feel offended or, you know, 
I haven't seen him for so long and he's just running past me and like that. Life is like that. So you have to be, you know, we don't always do it perfectly, but it says here, uh, be happy when you see someone, right? And I said to Peru, I just said, I haven't got time now, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see you. It's good to see you back. You know, we'll catch up later. Right? So, you know, try to learn to do these things. It takes practice. So these are apparatus. So Bhagavatam says, right, again and again and again, don't offend the devotees. If you go through Bhagavatam, it keeps coming up all the way up to the 10th canto. Just before you get to the 10th canto, and the end of the 9th canto, there are pastimes. Don't offend the devotees. It's very important. It's one of the main themes of Bhagavatam. <coughs> but, as we're saying here in this verse, one of the most essential themes of the Bhagavatam, the two most essential themes, one is Krishna is supreme. The other one is you can only reach Krishna by pure devotional service. Right? Mixed devotional service will not uh, give you the qualification to see Krishna. It has to be free. Right? And then Prabhupada quotes all the important verses, right? the seminal verses actually of pure devotional service. Three verses Prabhupada gives here. Anyabilashita Shunyam from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Savaipum Sam Parodamo from Bhagavatam, and Savopati Vinin Muktam, right? Narada Pancharatra. These three verses are uh, perfect definitions of pure devotional service. Right, this is how. What is pure devotional? Hands up if you want to do pure devotional service. Hands up if you want to be a pure devotee. Yeah, so now we have to learn, right? I want to be a pure devotee. I want to be a pure devotee. I do. But I'm not. You know, I just went to Brindavan and Puri and Mayapur. I just got back a few days ago. And what's the good thing about going to Brindavan, uh, Mayapur and Puri? Krishna puts a mirror in front of your face, right? Very closely. You know, when someone puts something in front of your face and you turn away, right? But then they put it here again. Like, it doesn't matter where you go. Krishna keeps going like, oh my God. Krishna is showing us what your impurities are. Uh, so I'm fresh. I just got back a couple of days ago. So I'm very aware of what my impurities are. You know, Krishna showed me everything. Uh, you think you're a good devotee? Uh, what about this? Oh. Krishna, can't you not see it? <laughs> uh, you think you're a good devotee? You think you're a big devotee now? Look at this. Oh, Bhagwan. Uh, this is what Krishna does. Uh, because what is the definition? Pure devotional service. I want to be a pure devotee, but I'm not. I have material desires. <coughs> and Krishna, you have to get rid of these things if you want to serve me purely. Anyabilashita uh, shunyam. This is the definition of pure devotional service. What does shunyam mean? Hmm? Yeah, darkness. Yeah, void. Without. Right? Shunya does not exist. Anyabilashita <coughs> shunyam. Interesting definition. Because the way the Sanskrit is written, Jiva Goswami explains this very nicely that, uh, just give me a second. Sorry. He explains this definition very nicely. Pure devotional service does not mean. You do not have material desires, but it means you do not act upon them. If you do not act upon your material desires, because we all have material desires, we all have them, but if you don't act upon them, you're considered by Krishna to be performing pure devotional service. It doesn't mean Krishna doesn't want you to get rid of them. He wants you to get rid of them, but he will accept your bhakti if you're not acting on your material desires. <laughs> a, nice, uh, a nice example is given. Uh, just say you go through a near-death experience. So you're driving down the road, and then suddenly another car swerves into you, and you swerve away, and you think, oh my God, you know, maybe I'm about to crash. And in that moment, you say, Krishna! Hopefully. That's what you say. You, know, you might say something else, but... Right? But hopefully you say, Krishna. So you're calling out to Krishna for something. Basically you're saying to Krishna, protect me. Protect my material body. 
That's a material desire in one sense. Krishna, protect this material body. But if you're saying that, but the reason you're saying it is, Krishna, protect me, protect this material body. I'm scared of death, but I want to use this body in your service. That's still considered pure devotional service, right? by definition. Even though you could say, okay, it's material, it wasn't pure, but it's within the realm of pure devotional service. Does it make sense? So, nyabilashita shunyam doesn't mean you don't have desires, but it means you don't act upon them. Jnana karma adi navritam. You have to be free from jnana, karma. Adi means like uh, the yogic process and so forth. <coughs> it means other desires. Jnana and karma. Karma means material desires, jnana means crazy mental speculations. Just like in India, they have so many crazy mental speculations. Ah, 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 Bhagwan, I am knowing. Ah, 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 I am, ah, I am knowing. And they just speculate. Just like, you know, when they have the Rathiatra in Orissa, and they have it on television, live tel television, and the commentators they have no idea what they're talking about. Oh, Balaram represents Lord Shiva, and uh, 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 Subhadra represents Durga. And they've got no idea what they're talking about. Right? These crazy people. You know, get some Vaishnavas there to, to actually explain the Siddhanta, you know, the, the correct teaching. They've no idea what they're talking about. This is jnana, you know, just speculation. <coughs> you have to be free from that. Don't speculate in Krishna consciousness. Follow the disciplic succession. And Nyabilaja, Jnana Kamadinova. Anukul Yena. Bhakti must be Anukul. Anukul means favorable. Right? Sometimes if you do service, but you don't want to do the service, that's not favorable. Ah, oh, why do I have to do this service? Why doesn't someone else do it? Uh, maybe Krishna wants you to do it. Maybe Krishna's making you more humble. Maybe Krishna's making you more surrendered. Uh, he gives you a service you don't want to do. Because uh, he wants to make you more surrendered. Uh, uh, so that is anukul. You have to learn to be favorable. Favorable, but also you have to do what Krishna wants. Maybe you're favorable, but you don't know what Krishna wants. I told many times the story... Someone left a box there in front of the deities. This is like a long time ago, 25 years ago. <laughs> 25 years ago or something. Someone left a box there. So Pajari picks up the box, takes it into the paraphernalia room, opens up the box and had cigars in the box. Someone gave a gift to the deities, cigars. Because they think, oh, that's a nice gift. Okay, so Anukul might, might be there. Maybe you're favorable, right? but it's not what Krishna desires. Krishna doesn't smoke cigars. Read the Bhagavatam, it's not there. He plays a flute. If you open the box and there's a new flute, Krishna would be very happy. You open the box and there's cigars, Krishna says, okay, I can see you're favorable, but sorry, it's not correct. That's why you need guru. Right? Gurus will teach you right, how to serve Krishna. You have to be favorable, but you have to also do what Krishna desires. Both have to be there. That's pure devotional service. Right? You have to be favorable and... Anukuyen, Krishna Anushilanam Bhakti Uttama. Krishna Anushilanam. There's a whole definition of these things. Right? Savai Pamsam, Savai Pumsam, Parodamo, Yato Bhakti and Hoksaji, Ahoituki, Yapratihata, Yayatma Suprasiddhi. Atma Suprasiddhi. What does it mean? Bhagavatam says. When you do devotional service properly, your soul will be satisfied. That's how you know you're doing devotional service properly. You feel satisfied in here. Right? Hands up if you feel satisfied in your heart from serving Krishna. Good, good. Two. Uh, now, now, okay. Three. <laughs> we should all feel like that. If you're doing bhakti properly, you should feel satisfied. You should feel happy as a devotee. I'm happy as a devotee. 
Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, Prabhupada's Guru Maharaj said, everyone else can leave, but you stay. All of us should feel like that. Okay, everyone else can leave. You can all go if that's what you want to do. Go. Go and enjoy yourselves in the material world. But I will stay and serve Krishna. Why? Because I'm happy. I don't want to go anywhere else. A devotee should feel like that. Yayatma supersedity. <coughs> but how do you get to supersedity? How do you get to yayatma supersedity? Ahoituki yapratihata. That is the definition of bhakti. Ahoituki means there can't be any other desires. Ahoituki, unmotivated. Why am I serving Krishna? Just to make Krishna happy. That's it. Not because everyone else will say, oh Prabhu, you're such a nice devotee. Right? Sometimes that's our motivation. Uh, in English, there's a saying that humility often, no, sorry, no. Pride often borrow, borrows the cloak of humility. Right? So you put a cloak on, you know a cloak? Like a, like that, a cloak? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You put a cloak on, that cloak is humility. But inside actually it's covering pride. Right? So sometimes in our devotional service we act all humble. Oh Prabhuji. Oh Prabhuji. Oh Prabhuji. You know, sometimes devotees say Prabhuji five times in every sentence. Oh Prabhuji, you're such a nice Prabhuji, Prabhuji. Thank you, Prabhuji. Oh Prabhuji, thank you, Prabhuji. Oh, oh Prabhuji. Like that. It's a little bit too much. Right? Just be humble, genuinely humble, right? Don't, don't be proud. So sometimes we do all this, but in our heart, actually we want recognition. Bhakti Vinotakur says the, the, the strongest weed to pull out, which strangles your bhakti, is pratishta. Pratishta means the desire for recognition, right? It's very strong in all of us. I want to be recognized. I want everyone to think I am a great devotee. <coughs> I want everyone to think I am a good devotee. I want everyone to recognize my service. Uh, I cook the feast. Oh, Prabhuji, you cook such a good feast. Oh, Prabhuji, no, it's just your mercy. But you're loving getting all the, you know, yeah. So we're thinking like that. Yeah? So often we think, uh, I will do the service, but I have to get a lot of reciprocation, a lot of recognition from everyone. So if you're like that, Krishna will put you in a situation where you do the service and you'll get nothing in return. Right? And that's what you need, actually. Just do the service to make Krishna happy. If someone knows you did it, that's nice. If someone did know you did it, okay, who cares? We just did it. Ahoituki, apratihata. Apratihata means uninterrupted. Just like the Christian people, right? It says in their Bible, Sunday is the Sabbath. You're not allowed to play soccer. Uh, you have to go to the church. It says that on the Sabbath, right? The Sunday. Why does God say that in the Bible? Right? Because he can't get them there the other six days. The other six days they're too busy. So he says, okay, one day you have to go. But that's not, that's not pure devotional service. We don't just come here on Sunday. I mean, some people do. Just come on Sunday, eat as much as you can, you know, put, put $5 in the hundi. Right? You know, bow down, do your you know, thing when you come in, and then take prasad. Right? That's, that's not pure devotional service. Pure devotional service, apratihata means every day, continuously. Nicham Bhagavata Sevaya. Nicham Bhagavata Sevaya means uh, you have to serve Krishna every day. Right? There are uh, seven days in the week. Why was the Bhagavatam spoken seven days? Why was it spoken? Why wasn't it eight days or six days? Why is that? Because there's seven days in the week, which means you you should be hearing Bhagavatam every day. Okay, maybe you can't come and sit here every day in the class every day, but you know now it's all recorded. You can watch it at home. There's many devotees watching at home, right? Many devotees watch it later, right? Or oh, there's so many devotees you can listen to online, you know. For the last couple of years, mainly I've been listening to His Holiness Indra Swami. You know, he's been giving amazing lectures on Brindavan for the last couple of years. So you can listen all the time. 
I can pick up my phone now and go in. I can listen to, there's probably devotees giving live classes now on the other side of the world. You know, this is the benefit of modern technology. It's not good for much else, but, you know, I didn't take my phone to India, right? It was such a relief not to have it there. It was just such a relief not to have it there. You know, because I have to do so many, you know, there's so many emails coming in all the time and so many things and, you know, it's so distracting. Like now I've got back and I feel much more balanced about this thing. You know, don't you control me, I'll control you. We'll see how long it lasts, but, you know. But th this, these things, they can destroy your consciousness or they can elevate your consciousness. <coughs> so we use them for devotional things. But then the, the, the allurement of Maya, of social media, is that once you get on, then you think, oh, I'll just have a look at that, and I'll just have a look at that, and the next minute, it's got you again. You have to be very careful. Very, this is very powerful Maya. Maya's in your hand now. <laughs> it's right there. <coughs> you can access anything, anytime. It's like any time before. And Maya is so powerful. It's like Chadston Shopping Center. Have you been to Chadston Shopping Center? Or? So you go inside. The whole purpose of Chadston Shopping Center is when you go in, you don't come out. That's how it's designed. That's how it's designed. They don't want you to come out. Okay, so you get in there. What, what did you go down there to buy a pair of jeans? So you walk in, but then, oh, there's food there. Oh, yeah, it's lunchtime. I'll get something to eat. Oh, there's a movie over there. Oh, so I'll go and do that. There's bowling alley there. I'll go and do that. I need to get my nails done. I'll go and do that. I uh, get a haircut. Oh, I need shoes. But you don't come out. Oh, it's hot outside. Okay, we'll make it nice and cool. You know, see, on the hot days, everyone goes into the shopping centers because they're cool. Why? They want to keep you there and take all your money, right? That's, that's how it's designed, right? And what's, face, what's Facebook and Instagram and uh, what else you got now? Pinterest, Pinterest and uh, what's the other one? So many of them, right? It's the same thing. It's all designed to keep you in there, right? They, they analyze your feed, the algorithm, every second. Whatever you look at, they give you more of that. Oh, that's what he's interested in? Hey, have more, have more. Have, and next minute, oh, now I'm an expert in everything. No, because they, they're controlling you. You think you've got control. They're controlling you. They just want you on there as much as they can. That's all. This is Maya. Right? So Aprotihata means uninterrupted devotional service. You have to be very careful. These things are very good because they can connect you all over the world to, to bhakti, to devotional service, but they can also distract you and keep you in Maya. Right? So you have to be very careful. So this is what Bhagavatam is teaching, pure devotional service. Right? Krishna is supreme, you have to render pure devotional service. Pure devotional service means no interruption, no material desires. Right? That's, that's very high. Yeah, I've been practicing now for more than half of my life. Right? I just went to Brindavan, it was a very uh, educating experience for me. Because you know, I was thinking, oh, I'm doing pretty good as a devotee. But then when you go there, Krishna says, oh, you know, Maybe not as good as you think, like that. You see, oh, actually, I have a lot of attachments in this material world, more than what I thought, like that, which is good, because Krishna is, you know, showing us what we need. But if you want to get serious about devotional service, then you have to give up these things. And actually, it's not as easy as we think, right? We all think, oh, you know, I'll give up all the material things, but Krishna says, oh, what about this? And then we say, oh yeah, I'll give that up, uh, but what about this? Uh, Krishna will test us. Maya is very powerful, actually. Okay, any questions, any comments? Anything? Yeah. How do you recognize if Krishna is happy or not? That's a very good question. There's several ways. Uh, Srila Prabhupada says that the deities, when you see the deities smile, like you come and see the deities, see Gornitai, Radhavalabha, Jagannath, Balaram, Sabhaja, Giriraj, Nishringadev, uh, Trivikram, you know, Nishringadev, there's so many deities there. If the deities are smiling at you, Prabhupada said that is the barometer of bhakti. How do you know if your service is being accepted and the deities are happy? If they're smiling at you. 
Now you get reciprocation, right? I know sometimes I come, they're like lukewarm, like, uh, hmm, it's okay, but well, then I think, okay, I've got to try harder. And other times I do service and I come and they're very happy and I think, oh, they, they're very happy. You know, they, they like what I've done. Like that. So the deities are very much a barometer of bhakti. <laughs> Secondly, uh, you have guru and uh, Vaishnavas, right? They are also the barometer of your bhakti. Right? How do you know if Krishna is happy? Because if the devotees are happy. If devotees are saying, you're doing a good service, then okay, you know Krishna is happy. If the guru says, you're doing good service, then you know Krishna is happy. Hmm? So these are practical ways. If the devotional service is not good, then they will also say, you know, your service is not good. In Hopefully they'll say that, yeah. Hopefully they'll say that. Yeah, if, if your service is not good, then hopefully the devotees will tell you. They'll say, yeah, Prabhu, you've got to do better than this. And the same, Krishna also reciprocate. The same, the Krishna, Lord Krishna also reciprocate that you have not done the service properly. Yeah, sometimes you come in front of the deities and they're not looking happy. Then you know, you know there's something wrong. But the deities are always happy, Prabhu. <laughs> no, they're not. No, no. Uh -huh. I don't know what deities you're worshipping. I don't know what deities you're worshipping. Sometimes I come in front of the deities, they're not happy with me. So, you know, the, they, they, the, the deities are alive, they reciprocate. Yeah, so if they're not happy, then they're telling you, hey, you know, you have to improve. They're not always just, oh, just smiling and blissful. Sometimes you've been a nonsense. So they'll, they'll let you know that. Yeah. Okay? Okay, thanks. Oh, okay. okay, please come again. Any other? Yeah. Uninterrupted, but we see that we have we don't want like material we don't want our motive not to get material profit from Krishna but to like we have a motive to go back home back to God it's so like how can we understand that so what's the question like we have a motive that we want to um, oh that you want to go back to Krishna yes, yeah, okay. yeah so yeah that's that's a very good question is it okay to want to go back to Godhead because you might say, well, that's a selfish desire. Right? That's a very good question. Because, you know, that, that might not be like a pure desire. Because maybe Krishna doesn't want you to go back to Godhead. Maybe he wants to, you to stay here and preach. So, once again, it's, it may not be a completely selfless desire, but it's not against pure devotional service. So, it's okay to desire to go back to Godhead. It's okay to desire like that. Uh, because it may not be completely selfless, do you understand? It's not like completely selfless, it's something that you want, but it's not a bad thing because it takes you to Krishna. So it's not against pure devotional service. Does it make sense? Yeah. So it's okay to think like that. You say, if you say to Krishna, I want to go back to Gologa Brindam, that's okay. But what we should say is, Krishna, I'll go where, wherever you want. So if you want me to come back to Godhead, I will go. But if you want me to stay here and preach, I will do that also. So you just say, Krishna, whatever you want, that's the best. But if you say, I want to go back to Godhead, that's okay. And hopefully we will see each other there in the spiritual world. Hopefully. Pray for me, and maybe we can all get there. Okay? Thank you, Prophet. Good question. Yeah. Where's your microphone? <coughs> you should carry a microphone whenever you come into the temple. Hare Krishna Prabhuji, thank you so much for the class. Yeah. Prabhuji, what should we do if we by mistake offend any Vaishnavas? And if you could please repeat the sixth offense as well. I'm not going to repeat the six offenses. You have to go back and listen to the class again okay. if you want to hear them again. Sure, Prabhuji. Uh, what should we do if we offend a devotee? It says in the scriptures, you, you go there and you offer your obeisances. You bow down. You know, in the morning, do you come for Mongolati sometimes? Yeah, so you've been, and then after Tulsi Puja, we offer obeisances to the devotees, yeah. So Prabhupada said the reason we do that is because when we do that, when we offer obeisances to the devotees, 
we're begging forgiveness for all the offenses we committed the previous day. Right? That's why we offer obeisances. But if you know that you have specifically offended a particular devotee, you need to go to the devotee and say, Prabhu, I'm so sorry. And you bow down and you beg forgiveness. Say, Prabhu, please forgive me. And generally the devotee will say, it's okay, he'll forgive. If it's a very big offense, right? This is spoken of in Madhuri Kanambini. Um, Krishna Chakravarti Thakur says that <coughs> if it's a very big offense and the devotee will not forgive you because you did something too bad, he said, then you have to exclusively take shelter of the holy name and just chant and chant and chant. He said, eventually the holy name will forgive you. Not that. But I don't think we'll commit offense that's that bad. Generally, if you just go to a devotee, then it should be okay. Thank you. Okay. Please come again. Okay. Any other questions? Okay. Shola Prabhupada Ki. Jai.
Yeah. 